Our scripture reading today is taken from Isaiah chapter 49. Shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Your sons hasten back, and those who laid you waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your sons gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them all as ornaments, and you will put them on like a bride. Though you were ruined and made desolate, and your land laid waste, now you will be too small for your people, and those who devoured you will be far away. The children born during your bereavement will yet say in your hearing, this place is too small for us. Give us more space to live. Then you will say in your heart, who bore me these? I was bereaved and barren. I was exiled and rejected. Who brought these up? I was left all alone. But these... Where have they come from? This is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I will beckon to the Gentiles. I will lift up my banner to the peoples. They will bring your sons in their arms and carry your daughters on their shoulders. Kings will be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. They will bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. One of my favorite songs. Do you realize that this Bible that the Lord has given us, that this is his love letter to us, that he sings love songs over us to remind us of who we are, that we are his beloved, and that he longs for relationship with each and every one of us. Do you know that? The good news is that he's provided a way He's provided a way through His Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, His Son, Jesus, taking our sin upon Him, dying on the cross for us, that He rose again. And the good news is that those who would believe upon Him shall be saved. We are His beloved. And God is always wooing us. And like the song says... We are unforgettable. You need to know that about your God towards you. You are unforgettable. 
God has you in his mind. God has engraved you upon his hand. You are unforgettable. And his desire for you in your relationship with him is that he becomes unforgettable too. Let's pray this morning as we dive into Isaiah 49. Father, I just thank you so much that you woo us, that you love us, that you pursue after us, that we are a people who are unforgettable. And Father, uh, we're blown away by um, how much you step into our lives and you're ever-present and that our lives are placed into you. And Father, I pray this morning that we will be a people that will draw close to you. And I pray for us in our lives that we come to a place, Father, uh, that you are unforgettable too. And forgive us when you're not. Father, we ask you this morning, draw close to us. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Well, we're going to get into uh, Isaiah 49, starting in verse 14. And um, as we dive, dive into Isaiah 49, the Lord's doing an amazing, powerful work with his people. He is redeeming them. He is restoring them. And he's drawing them back into the land, into Jerusalem, into Zion. A people who have rebelled against God, a people who have wanted nothing to do with God, and yet he's pouring out his amazing grace. And, and, and he's doing the same today with us, isn't he? When we sin against the Lord, when we walk away from him, because we're unforgettable, he keeps pursuing after us, drawing us in, even when we're kicking against him. And these verses, I think, are to show us this, this wonderful truth that God steps in and He restores and He renews. And the wonderful truth that God cannot forget you. Neither can He forsake you. That's Israel's complaint. You've forgotten us. You've forsaken us. You've left us in this awful place. And the Scriptures this morning want to show us that's not true of the character of God. And if you're feeling that way, you need to sit before your Lord and say, Father, help me see you in another way. And let, your, let the Word and the Holy Spirit minister to you this morning, because it's not true of the character of God. So the Lord says this, what's our response as God does this redemptive work in our lives, as He changes us, as He loves us right in the middle of our sin, as He draws us back? We should respond like verse 13 says, Shout for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. Because this is what the Lord does. The Lord comforts His people, and He will have compassion on His afflicted ones. That's His promise to us. That's the way He works in our lives. And so the response is that is that we rejoice, that we shout for joy. Do you remember when you first came to know Jesus? Do you remember what that was like? Some of you were young, and, and it was at a young age, and so maybe it was a little different for you. But if you were an adult, and you came to know Jesus, 
it was, it was life-changing because you had all of these years of just sin and yuck in your life. And God changed you. And do you remember what it was like? You couldn't stop talking about it. Shout for joy because God's work in my life. He has saved me. He has restored me. He's given me new life. Do you remember what it was like when you were living life under all kinds of weight of trying to be good enough? Trying to somehow in all of your good works to please God? And the Holy Spirit finally got a hold of you and said, what are you, what are you doing? Your salvation, your pleasure, all of that is taken upon me. Your pursuit of trying to do, do, do for me, I've done it all for you. I've died on the cross for your sin. And as you've received me, I find great pleasure. You are my child. For it is by grace, through faith, that we have been saved. It's not by us. It's a gift of God. It's not by our works. Why? So that no one can boast and say, look at all that I've done. But do you remember that moment that you were freed up from that? Shout for joy with the heavens and with the earth. That should be our response. Do you remember the moment when God delivered you? You just made a lot of dumb, dumb choices. Sin, sin, sin in your life. And you finally repented before the Lord and He just lifted that weight off of you. You see, that's what God is doing with Israel right now. Is He is bringing a people out of the depth of their sin and He is freeing them from the captivity of that and He is about to restore them and give them new life. And so our response is shout for joy. Do you not know who I am? I'm a God who loves you beyond belief. And you are unforgettable to me. And so I'm going to keep stepping into your life because I began a good work with you and I will complete it. Don't you know who I am and don't you know who you are? Israel was doubting that. Israel was doubting that the Lord comforts His people. They've been in captivity. They've been struggling. They've been hurting. And they had forgotten about God. And I think the question for all of us is, have we? Have we forgotten who He is, really? Have we forgotten all that He's done in our life? Have we forgotten, because things are hard right now, all of the blessings and the promises that He's fulfilled already in your life? Have you forgotten God? Israel had. And so He reminds them. And may the Holy Spirit remind you this morning. Here's God's response. Zion says, the Lord has forsaken me. Verse 14, the Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast, and have no compassion on the child that she has born, though she may forget, I will not forget you. Can a mother forget a nursing baby? So, hey, gentlemen, just listen up, because here's the answer to this. 
No way. No way. Can a mother forget her child that she gave birth to? No. And God is saying that. I talked with the moms on our pastoral staff just to give me some some feelings and, and how they, as a mom, what it's been like for them. And from the beginning and all the way through. They said it's been an intense love for a child, a fierce love. And yet at the same time, amazing tenderness and, and compassion. Some said, there'll never be another day of my life that I won't think about this child that was a gift from God. They're a part of you. They're inside of you. You give birth to them. And you actually miss the kicking in the belly. There's a physiological connection with a nursing child. It changes your brain and how you connect with them. You can't help but hear them breathing in the other room. You're always there, always present. So much sacrifice and giving. Your life is about your child. You realize everything is about the other. It's a love like no other. And you moms know that you do everything for your kids. You're running ragged to the edge. Here was a, here was a church sign I thought was great. It says this, If evolution is true, then how come mothers still have only two hands? I think that's great. That's a great argument. If evolution's true, they should have at least 20 hands. They said they're wanting to take every memory, each little step, each little, each little different trying of foods, walking in the park. They want to take every memory and cherish those. This is the love of a mother. It's not about you anymore. Are you surprised, moms, about the mama bear that comes out in you? How you will fight for your child? And it surprises you sometimes, doesn't it? Don't you mess with my kid. Susanna Wesley was asked, which of her 11 children she loved the most? And she said this, I love the one who's sick until he is well. And I love the one who's away until he comes home. Mothers struggle with being a buffer between their kids and the sidewalk, between them and disappointment, between their child and failure. They wrestle with how close they're supposed to get and how far they dare fall behind. Mother's love is intense. Two women were fighting over a child. Which child is it? And Solomon said, cut the baby in half. The wisdom was, he knew the real mother would never let that happen. And so she said, let her have the baby. And Solomon knew right away, you're the real mom. That's an amazing love, isn't it? But do you understand what God is saying in this passage? To you, unforgettable people. He's saying... That love is so intense and so powerful. And yet, a mother may forget you at times. You ever leave a kid uh, back inside the house and you're like out and getting ready to go to the 
car and drive away, and you're like, oh, wait, I'm missing somebody here. Even though, even though a mother may forget, God will never forget you. Never. That's his promise. And he wants you to understand, you know, we know that a mother's love is powerful and intense. And he's saying, he's saying yeah, that's, that's a beautiful ray of light, but I'm the whole sun. Do you understand who I am? That love is a beautiful ray of light, but my intense love for you is the whole sun. Do you know that? You are unforgettable. That's what you are. God's love loves us first, 1 John tells us. He loves us when we're unlovable. He loves us so much that He gave us His Son. We are indeed unforgettable. And His desire is that He becomes unforgettable too. I love you so much, even though you're complaining against me, you need to know I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, the Scriptures say. Your walls are ever before me. The engraving has the, the idea of a, of a tattoo marking or, or something that's imprinted upon you that stays forever. How many of you write notes on the palms of your hands? I got this appointment today. And, or I got this exam this afternoon. Doctor's appointment's coming up. And we write them on the palms of our hands. Why? Because that's ever before us. It's a marking that we won't forget. has the idea of the sailors of old when they would go out for incredible lengths of time. They would get tattoos all over their body and the tattoos would be images of their family, their children and their wives. And and they'd have these all over because they'd be at sea and they could see their family ever before them. What God is saying is that I have engraved you. You are unforgettable to me. I cannot forget you. Cannot. He has inscribed you, not just your name, but you. Your person, your image, your case, your circumstances, your sins, your temptations, your weaknesses, your wants and your works, all of your concerns I have engraved on the palm of my hand. You are ever-present, I am mindful of you and what is going on in your life. And I love you. And I walk with you. I have not forsaken you. And I never will. Do you know that about your God? Again, I think it's pretty natural and pretty human and fleshly of us when we're going through a bunch of junk to say, God, where'd you go? We respond that way a lot of times, don't we? Where'd you go? And he's saying, I never left. And in Israel's case, and many times for us, he's refining us. He's letting us go through the struggle, a lot of it is the consequence of our sin. But he has engraved us. Whichever hand he lifts, he has us before him. I have the image of he has this incredible grasp on us. Jesus, the good shepherd, says in John 10, he says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, 
and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You're engraved there. Part of me. My Father, who has given them to me, this is a wonderful truth. So no one's going to snatch them out of Jesus' hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And guess what? No one can snatch them out of the hand of my Father. And the Father and I are one. John 10.30 Do you sometimes wrestle with your salvation? This is just one passage on the Good Shepherd that you need to know. When you surrendered your life to Jesus, you are now placed in Christ and He in you. You are now a child of His. You cannot become not His child. No one's snatching you out of His hand. He who began the good work is going to do what? Continue it. Not even you can snatch yourself out of His hand. In our brokenness, He has you. You are unforgettable. Thomas was wrestling with Jesus and who he was. And Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Jesus became unforgettable to him. Excuse me, he actually forgot him and who he was. Unless I am able to see it, put my fingers into his hands and into his side... John 20 tells us, I won't believe. A week later, Jesus shows up. They're in the house. Doors are locked. Jesus shows up in the middle. How he does that, we don't know. Peace be with you, Jesus said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? And now reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Those scars are a reminder of the covenant of God with his people. It's marked upon his hands and it reveals how much we are loved and how unforgettable we are. He keeps his promises. And what he does in your life is he keeps his promises a thousand times over. And yet we keep doubting him like Thomas. And he is forgettable. Spurgeon says this. He never fails. He's never a dry well. He's never a setting sun. He's never a passing meteor or a melting vapor. And yet we are vexed with anxieties, overwhelmed with suspicions, disturbed with fears, as if God were a mirage in the desert. Well, he is not. He's a living God, and he's in our lives, and we are placed in him as we've believed upon him. And he is ever-present. We are not abandoned. We are not forsaken. We are not forgotten. That's who our God is. Your walls are ever before me. Let me ask you this. What was the situation? What were the walls like in Jerusalem? Your walls are ever before me. They were in shambles. They were in shambles. Absolutely destroyed. 
And what's God saying? I know exactly what your situation is. I know your walls are broken down. Thank God that he is in the business of wall restoration. Did you know that? You know, our walls may be broken down. They may be broken down because, again, of our sin. And we've just been living for ourselves. But God wants to do repair work in our lives. And he wants to build our wall. And the place that we start with that is repentance. And that's what he longs for for Israel. That they would repent. That they would be forgiven and draw near. You see, the walls are ever before me. God always has a view of rebuilding. His work is always redemptive. He's always restoring. He's renewing. And he's doing this work. He's mindful of the situation with the people of Israel. He understands their their struggle and their doubts. But he has their walls before him. They will be restored and renewed and rebuilt. He's giving them hope. I don't forget you. You're engraved in my hand. Your walls are ever before me. There will be restoration. I'm going to bring you back into Jerusalem. The temple's going to happen. There's going to be worship again. The people of Israel, us as well. The church will be renewed. And he uses this imagery here as he speaks later on in the verses about his bride. It'll be like ornaments, all those coming back to Israel, to Zion. It'll be like ornaments decorating the bride. I think we're starting to see out beyond just present Israel and what's going on into all the way through future church and all that God is going to do to restore humanity, Jews and Gentiles, all peoples, unto himself. Your walls are ever before me. I'm going to draw you close. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to renew you. I'm going to do this amazing work. It's actually an impossible work. And restore my people. Listen to what he says in verse 17. Your children, and he's he's speaking of Zion in the form of a woman, Lady Zion. Your children, Lady Zion, which is really Jerusalem, they hasten back to you, and those who laid waste, they depart from you. Verse 18, lift up your eyes and look around. All your children gather and come to you. As surely as I live... Don't miss that part. As surely as I live, this is God speaking, declares the Lord, you will wear them as ornaments and you will put them on as a bride, like a bride. They're coming back. There will be a marriage taking place, a union, the church and our Lord. You, Zion, will celebrate like a bride. And I'm promising you this. Look what he says. As surely as I live. Basically what he's saying is, I will do this. When the Hebrews made oaths, they would swear by the name of the Lord. I swear this unto the Lord. And when they made that oath, 
that was the most binding oath they could make when they would invoke the name of the Lord into it. So what's the Lord doing here? He's making an oath by his own name, isn't he? There is no higher power. And what he's saying is, I want you to understand my promises to you in restoration of my people and my deliverance and my freedom and my my joining together of the bridegroom and the bride. This is going to happen. I will restore you. I will bring healing to all of the nations, to all the peoples. And I will draw them into a place where they worship me. I swear this oath unto myself. It'll be like ornaments being put on for the bride, a healing, a gathering of the people of God. Your walls are ever before me. Here's the promise. Your children will come back. There will be the union. What's Isaiah seeing here? This wonderful prophet, what's he seeing about our God? I think he's not only seeing the, the obvious that God is going to bring his people out of Babylon, he's going to bring them back into Zion, Jerusalem, and he's going to restore them to a place of worship of God, the gathering of his people before the actual church began, the church of the people of Israel. But then I think he's seen beyond that, which is God is going to bring all peoples unto himself, all those who would surrender their hearts unto God, that he's going to gather them all together. He's going to restore them. He is going to heal them. He's going to give them life, and he's going to bring them together. The scriptures say in 19 through 26, they're like, wait a second. Where are all these people coming from? All of a sudden, all kinds of of people of Israel are going to be coming back. Study Romans 11, right, on the remnant. I don't know all that God's going to do with Israel, but he's going to include them. Trust me, his grace is going to be amazing. And then he's gathering all the Gentiles. Everybody's going to be coming back. Where did all these kids come from? It's going to be a wonderful celebration. You're going to wear them as ornament. You're going to rejoice in this union and in this healing. Your walls are ever before me. I will do this. Revelation 21 says this, and speaking of walls and the people of God, and the final fulfillment of the restoration of the people of God. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in spirit to a mountain great and high. And he showed me a holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And it shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was that of a very precious jewel like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and twelve angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel, where all the people of Israel, all the leaders, all the tribes, where are all these children coming from? God is restoring his people, not only Israel, but us, the church. There were three gates on the east and on the north, on the south, three on the west. 
The wall city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. I'm going to bring my people, they're going to return. There's going to be healing for the nations and restoration. The bride and the bridegroom are going to be united. The city does not need sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light and the Lamb its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. That's Revelation 21, 9 through 14. A banner is going to be lifted, God says. There's going to be nothing but this miracle work of God. It's impossible. Enemies are going to be fleeing. Gentiles are going to be helping you come back into Zion. Those enemies of God are going to be placed under siege and they're going to die in their corruption. And verse 22 says, See, I will beckon the nations. I will call all the people. You are unforgettable. And God's going to see it all the way through. And even in our rebellion and our sin, He continues to woo us. Why? Because we're unforgettable. He doesn't want us to live in our sin and our destruction and our death and our separation from Him. He wants us to be in loving relationship with Him. That's what He keeps working on. You cannot help but see the love and grace of God in this chapter. Cannot help but see that. God calling people back to Himself. He's defending the broken. He's stepping into those who are hurting and feeling forsaken and the lost to help them understand who they really are. Beloved of God, unforgettable. Let me finish with this story. John of Kronstadt, he was a 19th century Russian Orthodox priest. And John would go out into the city. The priest would not go out into the city in Russia because alcoholism was, was at an extreme high and it was just a lot of craziness on the street. A lot of people just sitting and, and, and just in torment in their addiction to alcohol and hurting and they stunk and it was just awful. And so the priest wouldn't go out and minister. But John of Kronstadt did. And he would go over and people watched him. And they were hung over and they were foul smelling. They're in the gutter. And he would cradle them in his arms. He would pick them up off the street. And he would say this, Dear child, this is beneath your dignity. You were meant to house the fullness of God. You are unforgettable. And God wants to restore you and renew you and draw you unto himself and let you know that you are his beloved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your good word this morning. And Father, the fact that you step into our lives and in such a way that changes us forever. And Father, through your Holy Spirit again, would you minister to us that we are unforgettable. 
that we are engraved upon your hands, that your walls, our walls are ever before you. And Father, forgive us when we forget you, when we don't trust you. May you be unforgettable too in our lives. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we give you praise in your precious name. Amen.